As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hundreds of protesters are on the streets again tonight for the sixth day in a row. We want it to stop now. From the actions of an individual in another state, are being applied on our shoulders. It set us back. Get off his neck! Get off his neck! It's frustrating as hell. George Floyd looked like my father and my brother. If we have a voice, we should use it. What's this for? What's the National Guard for? What do we want? I don't think our job here is ever done. We need a leader, a real leader. People need to protest until they hear they're heard. And the protests march on. Six days and six nights of unrest in Milwaukee and all across the country as the death of 46-year-old George Floyd in Minneapolis has set off a nationwide outcry for racial equality and justice. Police are weary, but the protesters say they won't stop until their voices are heard. From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, here once again with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Good morning, Amanda. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, June 4th. And we are here with two guests today, Fox 6 reporter Sam Kramer. Hi, Sam. Good morning, guys. And Fox 6 photojournalist Vanche Murdoch. Good morning, Vanche. Good morning. I want to start just setting the scene here because it's been six days. Both of you have been on the front lines of these protests. First of all, how are how are you both doing? Well, I know for me, my feet are a little sore. Um, we were with folks last night, um, which would have been Wednesday and really began with them with peaceful protests during the day, shifting through um, to the larger ones in the city at night. So um, it's tiring. You, you are really hiking across the city, but it, it's what we have to do. So um, there's kind of a calling, I, I would say, there. So uh, I think the adrenaline, adrenaline of that kind of carries through the fatigue. How about you, Vanche? I echo what he says it's like you're uh, you're marching along with them they start at noon and they end at like two in the morning um you're there with a big camera on your shoulder trying to film while walk at the same time it's it's, it's challenging but it's like you said it's our job and we're out there every day along with them you guys both obviously sam even though you report you do uh, you shoot video as well and you guys have had the experience of sort of looking through the lens at a thing that's happening in front of you, but then you're also immersed in it as a person. Do you sort of, sometimes do you get lost within the frame with all that's going on around you, or do you have to sort of keep that awareness 
of just what's what's happening around your body as well and not just what's in that rectangle and, and the eyepiece? I think there are moments of both, right? Because there are so many unknowns as far as where uh, where things are headed, what the what the goal of, of something like this is, you know, looking last, uh, which would be Wednesday night at District 5, Milwaukee Police District 5, you have people just standing outside and it's almost like everyone's waiting for something to happen. But you don't know exactly what that is. People driving and, and doing donuts in the intersection of Locust and Dr. Martin Luther King Drive right there. You have fireworks being lit off. Um, all the while, National Guardsmen and Milwaukee police officers are, are just kind of standing to watch. So at one point, yeah, I think you switch between the camera viewfinder to, to see things up close and then just to kind of see it out wide um, for a better understanding, but really just to kind of grasp it from as wide a context as you can. Yeah, and I think as a photographer, um, it also depends on the time of day. During the day as a photographer, I think I'm more uh, willing just to just to keep my eyes in the camera and have my reporter kind of watch out for me because you you can't really do both when you're filming and you know trying to watch out what's going on because your your eyes are in the camera but I think it just depends on the time of day because I feel like during the day the protests are more peaceful um you you know they're just walking and bothering traffic but during the nighttime is when they take a turn so I think that's when you really have to rely on your reporter as a photographer to make sure you know things around you because your your eyes are in the, uh, the camera lens that things don't get out of control. Vanche, I'm interested in hearing your perspective, not only as a photojournalist, but as a black photojournalist who is covering this situation. What has that been like for you? I hear their pain. You know, like you said, I'm a black individual and I'm, you know, but for the most part, people have received me with open arms. But there are a couple of people who have said, we don't want you here and because they see a big camera and a Fox 6 logo on it. But it's like, look, I'm black. I, I feel the same pain. I, You know, this, this, this type of thing happens to black people more frequently. Um, but for the most part, people are, you know, I'm out there behind the lens, but I'm out here with you guys, even though I am, you know, behind the camera. I, I feel your pain. I hear what you guys are, you know, uh, throwing out there. And yeah, so... <laughs> Vanche, with regard to that, you know, I've, we, we had producer Pete on a couple of days ago, and, and he is also, he, he's, he's not a, well, he's a photojournalist, but he hasn't been out covering these on the front lines, but he's a, a black male, and he's he's watching all of this along with the rest of us, and, and he's been through uh, so many years of covering uh, protests and other things throughout his lifetime, um, and he talked about, he, he even went back as far, producer Pete's older, he went back as far to the OJ verdict and said that he was at the time selected as, well, you're, you're our, our black photographer, go in and get the reaction we can't get. So they sent him to a barber shop to get reaction. And he discussed feeling almost like he was, I don't know if he used this term, but what he described was sort of feeling used and feeling maybe, I think he said he felt like a sellout. Do you ever, when you are there, when you have people who are looking at you and saying, hey, we don't want your camera here, but you identify with them, is that a difficult place for you to be? Uh, or or, is, or do you just send, you know, what, what do you say to them? Do you send the message, hey, we're here to get your voice out? Uh, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think I've ever felt used, um, you know, being thrown out there. But yeah, when people say that, I think they just, they don't want the camera. I don't know if they, obviously they see the color of my skin. So I don't know if they're saying that because of the color of my skin, but I believe it's just because of the camera. But what do I say? 
you know, I told them, like, look, I'm black myself, man. Like, I'm not, just because I have a camera and I work for a news station doesn't mean I don't feel the kind of pain and anger and frustration that they're feeling that they're out there protesting for, you know, nine plus hours. Like, just because I have a camera and my employer is a news station does not mean I don't feel their pain. So I just told them I'm, I'm, I'm with them. Like, I, I, I'm black myself. You know, I, I watch the news. I, I see what posted on social media. I saw that video. And it was just really disturbing. So just because I work for Fox Six does not mean I don't feel, you know, their pain and anger. So I'm, I just say I'm, I'm with you guys. Well, and an important part of journalism is being able to feel that pain and then do our best to convey it, which we do to varying degrees of success. So I'm interested in hearing both your thoughts, Sam and Vanche, about the the parts of this that might be hard to convey on camera, the things that are happening that. Uh, maybe we don't always capture, or if we do, it it doesn't come across quite the same. Well, I think it's it's such a challenge because uh, I think just as a human being, you can kind of you can feel it through someone's voice when you talk to them, whether it's on camera or just record, kind of recording the chants as they're protesting. Um, but I feel like there are so many people that are coming to this that are maybe trying to better understand what. Um, what what black people, what really just people of color are trying, are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Um, You see the signs, um, you see smiles, and it actually hugs, even though we are um, in the midst of this pandemic. But for me, it's a a challenge because, especially on air, we are only limited to so much, right? We cannot put all of our powerful sound bites in. Um, And so I've tried to at least expand storytelling a little bit digitally um, with social media being unlimited, if you will. Uh, But, you know, again, it's, I'll just keep coming back to it. It's a challenge because, you know, we're we're trying to stay neutral, uh, unbiased and really stick to the facts here. But this is truth be told a story that is so laden with emotion that it's a really tough line to balance. Yeah, I have to agree with Sam on that. I mean, when we're there, you know, we're there to cover the protests, but there are a few bad apples who start to instigate things with the police. And the next thing you know, that's our story. And then we get complaints from people like, why didn't you guys cover this part of the story? But, you know, because you have those few bad apples who will try to take the, you know, the, the, uh, the spotlight off of the real message, which is why we're there, is to peacefully protest. But then you have those few bad apples who are just instigating things, and bam, then that's, that becomes our story, unfortunately. Sam Vanche talked about, you know, his ability to look at anyone who's not welcoming him with the camera, and, and he can at least say, hey, look, man, I, I'm black too, you know, I feel your pain. Obviously, you're a white male. Have you experienced... Uh, you know, what have people said to you? Have you been made to feel unwelcome while covering this? What kind of interactions have you had? Have you gotten support? What's it been like as you've been out walking with these protesters? Yeah, it's it, it's a good question. It's been a mixed bag. Um, we've had, frankly, a lot of people, I would say the majority of people are welcoming. They understand what we're there to do, which is document what's happening. It's not to take sides. Um, and then you have uh, other people, um, you know, I would say maybe... 10% or lower that really just aren't happy with us being there. They equate us to the, to the national media and say, we are the ones that are kind of stoking this fire um, that we should get out of here. We had people, uh, men and women, um, people of color, white people as well, get right in our face 
uh, Wednesday night and Thursday morning and, and just say, we're not welcome here. Um, that it's, it's relatively uh, dangerous for us to be there. They don't agree with us covering this. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting dilemma to toe that line because um, I've always kind of told people, we're there as a witness. I'm not saying we are in agreement or disagreement. We just, we, we want to see what is happening. It's our job to tell people what's happening. Um, and so we've, we've had people, a bunch of people coming up to us telling us um, or asking us if Black Lives Matter, if we agree with the cause, if uh, just so many opinionated questions. Um, and there comes a point where you just kind of have to tell them like, look, we're just here to kind of keep the watch, uh, to kind of just have cameras rolling to document more or less be the witness. And, um, I think that has worked fairly well. Um, truthfully at the end of the day, some people just want to sound off on us, um, whether that's frustration with, uh, local stories. Um, I think most of the time it's frustration with national coverage, but because we carry the affiliation, um, we become the, the target there. But um, again, for the most part is overwhelmingly positive. They understand that we are there to tell the story. Uh, but uh, again, as Van Shea mentioned, there are just a few bad apples um, that can quickly change that. It, this reminds me of a picture that I saw pop up on social media. And it was a picture of a tree. And uh, on the picture, it said, uh, tonight on the local news, Group A says this is a tree and Group B says this is not a tree. And the, the meaning, of course, of the picture was to poke fun at local news for what we hear a, a complaint about a lot, which is both sides-ism. And when we talk about both sides, I, I do want to ask what you're talking about, because I think we can all agree here when it comes to racism we're not going to sit here and go is racism good or bad we're not going to uh we're going to let you decide so when we talk about both sides when we talk about covering these protests fairly what do we mean by that i think it's it's searching for the reason as to what that specific protest is trying to accomplish i don't think there's any denying that there are, you know, there's, there's some racism in play, particularly with what happened to George Floyd, which is what would set this all into motion. Um, I, I think there strikes a line between fairness as far as, okay, keeping an eye on the protesters, what are they doing to, to spread this message peacefully? Um, are, you know, is, it, I guess the, the, the both sidesism here is looking at one side of being the protest and, and then I guess in the second, is, is that message being conveyed or is it being hijacked toward um, just another clash of violence with police, if that makes sense? What do you think, Vanche? Yeah, I echo what he said. Um, like, we're there to cover the protests, the peaceful protests, you know, people marching in the streets for hours upon hours. Like, I don't know how they do it, but they're just out there for hours trying to get their message across. And then you also have this other group of people who are there, I don't know, if they if they joined along or if they were there from the beginning, but you have this group of people who like to start things with you know the the pretty much the police, and so then that escalates and then bam you have that side of the story while you also have the peaceful protesters who were there trying to get their message across, but unfortunately you had those few bad apples who are there to get their message across, which is a different one from the peaceful protesters. Well, I think one of the great misnomers in in in, uh, uh, in referring to things like you know how news is covered is that there are 
only two sides. There are often, uh, these issues are so complex, there are many, many sides, and they're not always uh, easily delineated. I mean, you look at, as you said, even among the protesters or among the people who are trying to have their voices heard, there's dissent. There are some who are very upset with the, that are those that you describe as protesting organized and peacefully during the day who are unhappy with the protesters who are causing trouble at night, particularly when we had over the weekend the vandalism, we had the, uh, the, 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 the looting. Um, you had people crying out for that to stop because it was potentially interfering with the peaceful message that so many had worked hard to, to get out during the day. So we see some of that. You also, we, we heard overnight or we heard yesterday, uh, certainly police have uh, uh, have thoughts on this. And, and Milwaukee's police chief, Alfonso Morales, made the statement that, uh, you know, they want this to stop. Others say these aren't these protests are not going to stop until the voice is heard. And then you have the chief saying we want this to stop because we're being essentially punished for what happened the actions of individuals in another city. I believe that was essentially the soundbite that, that you heard in the, in the open to this podcast. So my question for you guys is, there, there are a lot of, there, there's the, the dissent among protesters, there's obviously the clashes with police, but I'm wondering if you're getting a sense how police are responding to this. Are they growing weary of it, or do they seem to be uh, patient? Do they seem to be like, they, they could go along with this as long as it happens? And, and how are they also treating you? I mean, I, we've seen in other places, journalists being harassed or even arrested while trying to cover this. What are you gathering in terms of the police response, how they're treating the protesters, and again, how they're treating the media? Well, I, I think the last few nights, I, I've seen it change. Um, and so I, I'm not sure what's driving that, but I think early on, Milwaukee police and, and the county sheriff's office were really kind of right up there next to the protesters. And then as we followed along, at least for me, Wednesday, um, I didn't see anyone really within a block or two. Um, so I think they're giving them, the, them being the protesters, more of a bubble to operate. Uh, and, and they weren't being particularly um, forthcoming, the protesters, as far as where they were going last night, um, because they said that there was an opposition group in town. They just didn't want to uh, cross that path, if you will. Um, but I saw sheriff's deputies closing off access to and from I-43, uh, maybe around 5 p.m. But around, just after that, I mean, I, I was with the group as they marched all the way south and coming up east on Lincoln Memorial Drive, actually on the east side, I should say. Um, I, I really didn't see any police at all. And until that group made it to District 5, that is when they were met with, um, you know, the, the law enforcement presence. I think police realize that, um, you know, frankly, this is a extremely hot button issue and, and any missteps are going to be uh, really not just broadcast on all of your traditional media. It's, it's going to take off on social media. So I, I think there's a cognitive understanding that there is no room for error. So to me, that would explain why they kind of loosen things at least Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Um, obviously, they're there to protect District 5, their own building with the National Guard. That makes sense to me. But um, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I would guess that there's some fatigue there um, as far as dealing with this for six straight nights. Again, as you said, Chief Morales saying that, look, this didn't happen here. But, um, you know, I, I think they are just trying to navigate this as safely as they can. You also saw 
a lot of frustration online with the Molotov cocktail incident, which is why they said they deployed tear gas on protesters Tuesday night. Um, you have a bunch of people saying that you know these were just uh, plastic water bottles that were thrown. Um, so I think it's, as I've said earlier, it's a fine line for them to toe, um, but I think they're trying to give these protesters room to really exercise their First Amendment right um, until they feel like they need to step in. I was going to say, we should point out that while the uh, George Floyd killing did not happen here, Milwaukee certainly has its own history of issues with police response and issues with police and race relations here in the community. So there are its own unique set of circumstances that are also fueling the the issues here in the protests. And we are also seeing videos start to circulate now from people who are concerned with the police response, whether it's an arrest that looks aggressive or uh, people getting injured. There, there was one video that came out recently where um, some people on bicycles got too close. Police said they were trying to surround them and police ended up using force on someone on one of those bicycles. Now, with those videos, we don't see the before and we don't see the after. uh, But certainly there are already people expressing concerns about those responses. Vanche, I want to ask you, uh, you said Saturday night was the night that you were out there when it was really, you know, things had really heated up. And uh, and I'm wondering, what was your perception or, or, or your experience of, the police response, how the police were dealing with protesters. And as I said, how were they, did they leave you alone? Did they leave, did they seem to be leaving the media alone? Did they welcome your ability to be there and cover this or, or were they, uh, you know, how are they interacting with you? Yeah. So look, I'm only two years into this. I'll be, it'll be two years, my two year anniversary on July 3rd. And so Covering something like this is, you know, I've never done anything like this before. And so that night will always be a memorable night. Like, like I said, it started out peaceful during the day. And then at night it turned uh, the opposite. It turned pretty bad. Um, As far as like the police response there, I'm not sure if it was as heavy, you know, as it was maybe last night or the couple nights ago, because this was almost uh, like a week ago, but the police, they weren't really, instigating things they were kind of kind of just sitting around just waiting maybe for if they were to if the protesters were trying to do something so they weren't really like in their faces they were more protecting buildings protecting roads um but you just you just saw protesters kind of drive recklessly in circles with hanging uh hanging bodies out of the car um so the police they were they were just standing there just waiting for things to you know take a turn so they weren't really forcing anything and as far as the media, uh, I, I had one encounter with one of the, I think it was the National Guard or a, a Racine Sheriff deputy. They, yeah, they just told me to get out of the way. They saw my camera. I told them I was with the media. He just said, yeah, get on the sidewalk. So they were, yeah, they pretty much left us alone, let us do what we wanted as long as we weren't in their face, you know, of course, uh, blocking their view of. So you had freedom to move around as you needed to for the most part, as long as you weren't impeding some particular action. Exactly. Yeah. And I was there with other media, too. So every other station was there. So we kind of all just pretty much stuck together. So, yeah. What are the things that you both are keeping an eye on as you continue to cover these protests? Obviously, we don't know when they're going to end. Um, I've thought about 
that too. What, what drives us to the end? And, and frankly, I just don't, I don't have the answer for that. Um, as far as when we're out there covering, I, I look to see if I can recognize familiar faces um, from night to night to see if, you know, these are the same people that are coming back, um, what, they, what message they carry on their signs and, and really just kind of how they carry themselves. Because um, as we've mentioned, you know, the vast majority of these are peaceful. They, uh, they march, they chant, and really these people are hungry for change. And then it just seems like in the wee hours of the morning, that's when it pivots into something else. I guess I wonder how you translate the march that is going on through Milwaukee streets into City Hall, into the Fire and Police Commission, um, into the County Executive's Office. How do you transition from words, from protest to actual action? And frankly, I, I don't know how that happens. You wonder how long this can go on because... And just thinking about this and chatting with one of our photographers yesterday, you know, unemployment is, is really high right now. Um, the weather is also really nice. So it's not like they're, you know, those two forces are, I don't want to say they're enabling, but it, it, it certainly doesn't help if you're looking at this from a police perspective. Um, so, but again, the, the big thing I guess I would be looking at is how do you transition from just marching to inflicting change. Have you heard when you're out there, are, are protesters, especially the more organized protesters, do they have specific demands? Are they saying what they want from this? Beyond obvious, the obvious, racial equality, racial justice, uh, equal treatment, but are they, are they giving specific demands? Could you talk about how does this translate to City Hall? What are they asking for? Well, I guess the, the one thing that stuck out Wednesday night, the group um, about 8, 8.30 Wednesday night circled up uh, just a little south of Bradford Beach and um, kind of let people take the megaphone and, and kind of sound off a little if they'd like. And one of the ones that drew a resounding applause was uh, calling for the resignation of Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales. Um, and that was really kind of the first I had heard of that, at least while walking with these people on the street. Um, they, they want police reform, um, but I haven't heard a ton of details as to what that would look like uh, or what that would mean. Is it reviewing, uh, you know, manuals, um, use of force policies, et cetera? I, I'm not sure, but um, they're looking for some sort of reform there. Vanche, have you heard any specific uh, requests from the protesters as to what they're looking for what what kind of change they would like to see going forward yeah so the the only day i was out i was out there they pretty much said they wanted justice but that was on saturday so obviously things have changed since now and then but they really just wanted justice for george they want these things to not happen to black people anymore they want structural change they 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 just want they want their voices heard um and they just don't want these things to keep happening to black people. And I think they pretty much got their voices heard all across the country. There are so many protests and I think they got the attention of the leaders. Now I think it's it's upon the leaders to, you know, make that happen. It's got to be tough to piece together the big picture of what's happening because you're walking with the group you're with and you're seeing what you're seeing. But this is going on throughout the city. And of course, we have other reporters at different locations, but where you are, things might be peaceful, things might be calm. 
or someone else's, something else breaks out. And and I think a lot about how, um, depending on what newscast you watch even, you could have a very different idea of how these protests are going. So if you're watching our news in the morning and you didn't catch any of our evening newscasts where people were largely peaceful during the day, and then you see everything that happened overnight um, because that's what's new, that's what's going to make it on the morning news, you probably do have a very uh, different idea of what's going on than someone who's watched daytime newscasts. Yeah, um, there are several times where protesters on Saturday like would come up to me and ask, like, why don't you guys cover you know, this or that. And I'm like, we do. And I'm like, do you watch the, the full show? And, and he was like, no. Well, I mean, <laughs> the stuff that's more important or the stuff that's breaking is obviously going to come right off the top of the show. It's like, you have to watch the full show. We cover those things. But unfortunately, those things get pushed back because of more pressing, you know, breaking news or or, or uh, other big things that kind of take the, uh, the the highlight away from those peaceful things. You know, I, I just look at this and, and the situation and the time that we're in right now, and you wonder, you know, when are these protests going to end? But look at what we've dealt with already in 2020, which has been unlike any year I've experienced in my 47 years on this earth. Uh, the pandemic alone seemed never ending, and it hasn't ended, and it's not going to end for quite some time. But now we have this unrest and, and these protests across the country the George Floyd, uh, you know, the, the murder trial for the officer involved and then the aiding and abetting trials for the other three officers, that's going to go on for quite some time. That won't be resolved. And until there's resolution there, there will be uncertainty about it. Uh, and, and who knows what else this year is going to bring. But I imagine, Sam and Van Shea, you both might need to invest in a, in a good uh, couple of extra pairs of walking shoes. Yeah, I have to say that's one of the best decisions I made was Wednesday night just, you know, not thinking about the fashion, fashionable chuck-a-boot look, just wearing walking shoes. I think we put on um, maybe close to 10 miles. Um, and, and, and let me be clear. I think that's very important because you hear the stories of why people are there um, when you walk uh, alongside them and, and what they're really looking for as far as that reform, as far as why they say um, you know, they're joining along, whether they're white or a person of color. But yeah, it, it, it definitely putting some some miles on the tires. What about you, Vanche? Yeah, I, I agree. It's you know, you, they start at a certain time and they just don't end. I mean, people you know will trickle out, but you get these new people who come in and keep the march going, and so they march for hours. I remember talking to this woman on Saturday. I was like you guys are, how long are you guys going to go for it? She was like, well, we started at noon and we're just going to go until our voices are heard or until we get tired. And, you know, that honestly was, that night was about like one or two or three. I didn't get home until about 4 a.m. that night. So they were marching for a long time. And it's hard with the camera, too. I, mean, I was going to say, they're not carrying that camera that you are. <laughs> exactly. Man, I, I tell you, Saturday, my, my shoulder was like the, my right shoulder was very sore. And so I went to get a massage the day after and that just felt a lot better. I know wh- one of the things I've seen, well, we, you know, our ph- the photojournalist Kale Zimney had posted uh, on his own page, uh, sort of a re- reaction to viewers who are commenting and complaining that the video's too shaky. Why, why is it so shaky? And, and his response was, you walk for hours this many miles and try to keep that thing steady. It must be a real challenge. That thing is not light. It's not a cell phone. <laughs> I wish we were able to do that, but 
but yeah, that camera is heavy. It's it's big. You gotta try and you know have your hands on it a certain way while walking at a certain time. And sometimes you just have to put it down and let it rest in your hand for a while. And yeah, you do get those people who complain, but they just don't realize what it's like to to you know run around with that big of a camera. Well, we know you both are dedicated to documenting what's happening, and you're probably very tired. So thank you for waking up early to uh, talk to us and to share with us a little bit of what you're experiencing. No problem. Yeah, thank you guys. And we will continue to bring you more frequent episodes of Open Record on Tuesdays and Thursdays as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, everything that's been going on with protests across the country. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. And, of course, thank you, as always, to the people who make this podcast possible, Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson for Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Tuesday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.